been in Mark 1 for many, many weeks. But today in the church calendar that has been a part of the Christian tradition for years upon years, we, uh, today is tr- Transfiguration Sunday. It's the story of, of Christ on the mountain. And so I'm going to invite you to join with me in Mark chapter 9 today. And if you want, there's notes in your worship folder. There's also um, in the app for you to be able to use. So now, I don't think I am the only one who has ever suffered this serious malady um, that I have. Uh, But have you ever walked into a situation where the best thing that you could do was say nothing at all, and yet, out come the words. (laughs) I'm not going to ask for confession time, but you just can't seem to help yourself sometimes. The words come out. Um, At some point, we've all faced the foot and mouth disease. Not the medical condition, but the word condition, where we just kind of have to do, you know, words slip out faster than we can realize that we are saying them. And we do this because we just, there's some feeling that we have to say something in order to move on, to defend ourselves, to help someone, to, for whatever reason, we just have to put the words out there. And the reality is it's amazing how many times we can just spout off the first thing that pops into our head when a situation calls for nothing to be said at all. And I'm going to say this isn't just for marriages. But one of the core things that I'm learning as I come alongside people in in various situations is that the best thing I can do often is more listening than interjecting my own thoughts and opinions into a situation. For example, as a dad, and this has become more and more, sometimes a harder thing, because I have adult children. Um, I see something going on, and you know, you just have this almost desire to interject advice that you were never asked for. Sometimes it's warranted, sometimes it's not. But I have this compulsion sometimes, and even though, you know, they didn't ask, and there are times when we feel that we need to be the hero of a situation, and and so we want to kind of swoop in when somebody's hurting and feel like we have the option to save the day. But as hard as it is sometimes, there are times when the situation is best met by silence. And I kind of believe that Peter was a man like us. We joke about him often, but sometimes he would say brilliant things. Other times, he would talk And it's like, Peter, do you not understand what you just said? 
that, that that didn't need to be said. And throughout the Gospels, he and the other disciples often failed to stop and really listen to what Jesus was saying, and instead they just continued to talk. Because whether or not we want to admit it, there is a difference between hearing what Jesus had to say and listening to what Jesus had to say. To hear someone means that the sounds that are made audibly have come and they have hit the ear canal. We hear it. And our world is full of things to hear. But listening, there's a difference in that. Listening is an active process where we engage in what we hear. Even to the point of focusing our attention fully on it. And I admit, I'm getting to the point where in my life where I have to turn down the radio if I'm trying to admit and, and pay attention to what street I'm driving on. But the question for us today, though, is are we listening to Jesus? Are we truly listening to him? And there's a bit of context. We can't just go into this story in, in Mark 9 without understanding what's just happened. You know, we, we've been talking about this pivotal, up to this pivotal point, Jesus has announced this specific message in, very, in chapter 1. We've watched him do exorcisms. We've watched him heal people. And he's performed all these amazing miracles throughout the book of Mark in his public ministry. And it seems that while the disciples have experienced this over and over, and it's kind of becoming routine in some ways, that, that what he's done, it's not really clicking what's going on. Especially when Jesus starts to describe it. Yeah, they see a healer. They see and, and hear this amazing teacher. And they can understand and they see this person that performs miracles that are boggling their mind. But they're still a bit stuck on what to make of all of it. They can't just seem to take it all in and truly comprehend it. So in, so in continuing this pattern of ministry, Jesus and the twelve have, have crossed the Sea of Galilee. And now they're on the Greek side of, of this big lake. And while here, Jesus is performing a lot of the same ministry and miracle that he did on the Jewish side. There are people healed, and there's demons cast out, and people are regaining sight. And so in verse 27 of chapter 8, Jesus asks this pivotal question to Peter and the disciples. He asks them, who do people say that I am? And they give some various responses that kind of check the boxes of what they thought. But more personally, in verse 29, Jesus asks, well, who do you say that I am? Because that's far more important at that point. They're the ones that have spent every day with him. They're the ones that, that have walked with him. And Peter declares that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. And we need to remember, this is a loaded term filled with generations of expectations built around it. 
And then in verse 31, Jesus again begins to tell him, I'm going to die. But in three days, I will rise again. He tells it. He lays it out right there. And it seems like it goes in one ear and out the next. And it, may, it, it almost feels like it's lost on the disciples. They, I mean, Jesus, don't you remember? You've just fed 5,000 people and you fed 4,000 people. And we've witnessed blind people regaining their sight. You've done all of these things. You can't just simply die that easily. We've watched it over and over again, Jesus. And yet they continue to miss the point because they've heard all that Jesus had to say, but that doesn't mean that they're truly listening to what he's trying to tell them. So when Jesus says this about himself dying, and he makes it clear that after he rises from the dead, and, and Peter doesn't like this, Peter speaks up. He's supposed to be listening. But Peter injects into this, Jesus, that can't happen. I'm going, it says that Peter rebukes Jesus. He stands him down. He tries to correct him. And Jesus' response is, hey, Satan, get behind me. Because what you have in mind is, is of mankind's Plans, what I have in mind and understanding is God's plan. And they're not the same. Then Jesus calls the people around him and he begins to tell them, and I want you to understand, he tells us that being a disciple, being a follower of Christ, isn't just a simple thing of a label. It is costly. It means a radical upheaval of your life because the priorities of this world are not any longer in charge that God is. That it's going to require them, in fact, to pick up their own cross He's saying, I'm going to be carrying a cross here real soon. But you're going to have to pick up your own. Regardless of this honesty and transparency that Jesus is sharing with them, it seems like everybody's hearing him, but they're not really listening. And it's easy to fall in that trap. I mean, most of us have been church long enough. We've heard the stories. We've heard various messages along the same lines from different pastors, different evangelists, different uh, Sunday school teachers, and, and we hear it over and over, and it seems like we get to the point where there's so much familiarity with it that we just kind of declare, well, I've heard this before. You know, I'm doing okay. I'm doing all right. And so we start thinking, well, what kind of wings am I going to make tonight? You know, what, what's for lunch? You know, what? I got this business meeting and that business meeting this week, so, hmm. And we start losing the point because that's hearing, that's not listening. 
We can sometimes be so enthralled with our own lives that we miss what Christ is trying to tell us. And despite all of this, Jesus takes his three disciples that are his closest circle with him up on the mountain with him. We've all been on various mountains and we love to overlook and see, see the view, but the view they get is totally different than what they expected. And this is when things pivot. They couldn't have imagined what they would encounter there because there was Jesus in all his heavenly glory. This is this radiant white, like nothing they'd ever seen. Not only that, now there's not just three of them all together with Jesus, there's five. Because Moses and Elijah are talking with Jesus. I mean, it's enough to render a person speechless that they have these heroes of the faith alongside Jesus there, that they have been told stories since they were little kids about, that, that all of a sudden, you know, in, it, you just can't talk about it except for Peter does. Peter, Peter speaks up, he says, Rabbi, it's good that we are here. So let us put up some shelters for you, one, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And it's kind of like Peter wants to bottle up this event that's happening before him. Maybe he thought the end had come and that suddenly, you know, this is it because that's kind of what the stories have been. And so he wants to just settle into this glorious reality of, of what's going on. Maybe, maybe he thought that heaven had come down and that he could capture this, it, you know, it was just for them that on the mountain, the rest of the world's on their own. But hey, at least we can make sure we snag what's right before us. And we can be a part of that glory. Whatever he thinks, he, he's thinking, he, you know, he, he steps into it. He suggests that Jesus build, you know, they can build this three shelters. We will build it for you, Jesus. Me, James, and John, we'll, we'll, we'll build it. We, we got this covered. And this actual word that they said when, when he says shelters is the word Shekinah which is the same word for tabernacle. It's the same word that John uses. Basically, it's this root of this word that when John says that when the word was made flesh, that he came and tabernacled among them. The tabernacle in ancient Israel was the temporary and highly movable home of Yahweh prior to the temple being built in Jerusalem. There's the sense in, in which Peter wants to capture the very glory of God. It's a, it's a reminder of what Moses went through. The, that, that Moses and, and Elijah kind of had these end-time tabernacles right there on that mountaintop in, in the midst of that they could look. It's something worth preserving. It's something I want to hold on to after all. And rather than just enjoying it and, and revering the moment 
or even waiting to see if some kind of revelation comes out of it. For them to hear God, it, it, he, he has to speak up. He can't help himself. He wants to do something. And maybe you've been there. I admit I've been a part of, of camp, old family camp revival services. And I've been a part of youth camps. And I've been a part of NYC events where where. You're just so wrapped up in the moment that everything else kind of falls away and, and the holiness of God is just thick and there's reverence and there's just these moments of why, oh, I just want to be here forever. And then someone says something that kicks us out of it, that drags us out of the moment much like Peter did. Fortunately, God had a better plan. So cloud uh, appears and enshrines, envelops these disciples along with Jesus. And, it, and it's an event that as the reader, we, we see and we understand Moses on the mountaintop being enveloped by the cloud as God gave him the Ten Commandments. And out of that cloud, a voice speaks, saying, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Listen to him. In Mark 1, very similar kind of thing at Jesus' baptism. Cloud comes down, the, the, the dove comes down, and all of a sudden Jesus hears this word, this is my son who am I love and I'm well pleased. But for Mark here in chapter 9, this message isn't for Jesus. This message is for us. This is my son whom I love, listen to him. And I can almost hear, I, I can kind of feel the, the love in God's voice in the midst of this message. I mean, my, this is my son. I, I know when I get opportunities to talk about my kids or, or, or my grandson, and now we're going to have two, by the way, I do so with pride. I'm happy to talk about them. I'm proud to talk about them. I mean, because they are my kids. Even more so, I envision what God was like in this passage. With this immense love, the disciples are told to listen to Jesus. Not just hear what he has to say, but truly listen to him. And it doesn't matter if he repeats himself. Listen to him. Don't get so bogged down in all the things that you think you need to do that you should be, and that you think you should be happening around, that you miss out on the moment that is what he is saying at that time. Listen to him. It shouldn't be missed or underestimated that this endorsement comes in the midst 
of, of Moses and Elijah being, having appeared. Both men are, are known for having listened with God and, and listened to God. And he calls Moses to lead his people out of captivity in this, in this holy moment at the bush. And then he calls Elijah to preach the truth in the midst of King Ahab and Jezebel and to the people calling them back to, to God. And so for years, the Jewish people have looked up on Moses and Elijah as the premium of life. And yet God is saying, listen to Jesus. Because Jesus is more than just the embodiment of those two men who had received words from God. Yes, Moses had, had received the law from the very hand of God. On that, on that mountain with him, we, we begin to understand that Jesus comes to fulfill what the law was originally intended to do. The law were, was the rules to allow a people to be distinctive, to live into a holy life in the very presence of God. And, but by Jesus, by his death and his resurrection, the law is fulfilled. Elijah was the spokesman for the prophets who foretold of the coming Messiah. And Jesus, by Peter's own admission, was the promised one. So by God's own endorsement, he's telling them that the three there on the hill, and for us today, that Jesus is worth listening to. His message isn't just clarification. It is the fulfillment of everything that we look forward to. This is the very Son of God. Listen to him. If you're wondering, well, that was then, that was 2,000 years ago. How does that apply today? Well, the Lord still has a lot for us to listen to. We still haven't gotten it right. We're often still very busy doing our own thing in the name of the Lord and not listening to him. There are many times when the best thing we can do in a situation isn't to speak first and ask questions later. The best thing we can do is just quiet ourselves and listen. Verse 8, suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. No matter what takes place, the focal point of our life should be found in Christ. If we're having problems in our life, instead of looking to ourselves and to others around us for the answers, it's time to start listening to Jesus. And I will admit that listening takes practice. It's hard work. Especially when it comes to listening to what Jesus has to say to us. Because often, it's more about conviction than it is praise. But we're reminded of Elijah in his learning process. It says in 1 Kings that the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. 
And after there was a wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood on the, at the mouth of the cave. And it says that God passed by. God often speaks to us in ways that if we're not careful, because we expect him to come in other ways, that we miss what he has to say. And I want you to hear me in this. Sometimes we can be so busy in doing things for God with our own plans that we miss out on what he wants us to hear. What he wants to say to us in the midst of the quiet moments. Because, well, God, I'm, I've got a schedule to keep. I'm busy. Didn't you know I'm doing this for you? Didn't you know I was going to go do this for you? And God said, listen to me. And I admit that we often struggle with actively listening. And there are times that, you know, humanly, I can miss things that people I love say to me. And it's not just because they were in the other room. At least that's my claim. In that same time, I can admit that there have been times that I have probably missed what God was trying to say to me because I was probably too wrapped up in my own problems, my own activities, that I drowned him out. And I have no idea what God is trying to say to you today. But I will say it's worth stopping and listening. It's worth setting down all the things of this world that try to distract us. Turning off the TV, turning off the radio, putting the phone away, and just listening to the voice of God. And perhaps he's speaking to you this morning in your heart. And don't allow the people around you to stop you from listening to him. Peter was distracted by the things that were going on around him. And even though he had good intent, he missed the point of what was going on. Today, tomorrow, each and every day, it's time to follow God's instructions that we would listen to God. That we would take the time to settle in. And there are people today um, that we are going to celebrate alongside that have been listening to God in some various ways. They are choosing to make a statement today through the sacrament of baptism, that they are stating that they have given their life to Christ.
that their priorities are different, that they've put their faith in him, and we're going to celebrate with them today. So I'm going to ask those that are being uh, part of our baptism today, you can go get ready. You can head to the music room over here. But would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, may we not get so busy doing that we miss out on what you are saying. Even the good things that we do, Lord, the, the intent is there to honor you. But help us to be quick to listen. To follow your lead each and every day. To honor you in our lives. And so, Lord, we come today and we celebrate those that are choosing to make this statement to the body of believers. We celebrate with them that they are listening to you, Lord. And we give thanks. In your name we pray, amen.